Hey, agency owners, it's time for a new episode of the Agency Blueprint, the number one podcast for agency owners looking to discover strategies for scaling an agency to seven figures and beyond, while reducing stress and getting your personal life back. I'm your host, Robert Patton, international bestselling author, agency scale partner, and founder of Creative Agency Success. Before we get started today, I'd like to invite you to join our free Facebook group, the Creative Agency Clique. We live stream weekly trainings on tactics that will help you simplify and scale your agency. Go to creativeagencysuccess.com forward slash FP to join. And now for the show. agency owners, we have Jody Sutner back on the show again today. She and I have known each other for a little over a year now, and she is just a wealth of knowledge and such a fun person to get to know and chat with. Jody is the owner of The Sutter Company, a new business consulting company that advises small agencies on organizing and operating their growth strategy. She started The Sutter Company after more than two decades of running business development teams for agencies, both large and small and spanning a diverse list of list of disciplines. Thank you so much for joining us again today, Jody. Thank you very much for having me back, Robert. It's a real pleasure. Jody and I actually chatted before recording about what we have both been seeing going across the industry for loads of our clients. And we wanted to share both of our experiences and really kind of have an open discussion, both both of us and what our experiences have been. What we have seen are longer sales cycles, greater price sensitivity, and oddly enough, a bit more of ghosting really, where they will even give verbal yeses and then just kind of disappear. So we are going to tackle each one at a time and give some advice as to what you can do and what we would suggest to combat these problems. While we have actually both noted right before recording that we have seen some of this starting to ease because of economic environment, all of these items improving, but ultimately we still wanted to have a chat about this because these are things that come up from time to time and ultimately can help. So let's go ahead and start with the longer sales cycles. What have you seen, Jody? What, what are you seeing with your clients? Yeah, well, definitely. And you're right. I'm so glad that you acknowledged that we're at the date of this recording. There does seem to be an interesting shift. Who knows if it'll last? But, you know, one of the things <laughs> you mentioned in my bio, too, is like the reverse discipline. So I feel one of the benefits that I have is I've seen it all. I've worked in and I've worked in and with agencies that have shorter cycles. And I've worked in and with agencies that have much longer cycles, big global agencies that routinely are involved in two to sometimes up to six months of a, of a pitch process. So I think there are a few things. Number one, it's probably isn't the easy answer, but if you know that your sales cycle is going to be long or has the potential for being long, I say, you got to plan around that. So that often means having a larger pipeline, which probably means that in order to offset the length of the sales cycle, you need to have more opportunities, which means you have probably have to have a more robust either marketing plan or productive sales plan. The other thing too, that sometimes works, not all the time for agencies, not all agencies embrace this, but to have an opportunity for the client to get started with you faster, with a discrete project that has an outcome that they can use, an outcome that's of value, an outcome that I suppose potentially they can walk away with and work with someone else. But ideally, that's that's not going to be the case. But again, if the answer is, how do we get these guys to move? That might be, that is one tactic. I'm, and again, I'm always curious since you guys, since we both work with the same type of agencies, 
what what are you saying? Are those types of things working for you and are there others? Yeah, there's a couple of things that I will add, but I wanted to touch on a couple of things yeah. that you mentioned and just the planning around the sales cycle I think is incredibly important as you're mentioning, right? Making sure you have that pipeline up, but also recognizing the sales cycle also is really dependent on the client that you are serving, right? So not only is it the size of your agency, but is are you serving enterprise size clients, which ultimately do tend to have longer sales cycles and also considering what that looks like in your seasonality of your agency as well. And when do you actually want to fill gaps? So I see lots of agencies have these lulls during the summer months. And if you're actually planning around that, making sure you have lead gen going leading into that, knowing that your sales cycle is maybe a month or two months or even longer, but making sure that you're getting ahead of that so that you don't have those lulls in your revenue rather than having these huge spikes that are quite frankly, really energy diminishing Fleeting. because you're yeah. yeah 100%. And recognizing for your clients as well, right, especially if you're serving enterprise size clients, that it ultimately really has to do a lot of it with their fiscal year. So they're doing a lot of budget planning leading to the end of their fiscal year, right at the beginning of their fiscal year. So those are the big moments that you're going to go through these RFP processes and everything. But I loved your call out on the small bite sized pieces, right? Because that allows for you to become an approved vendor easier, get through risk easier, and not have to go through the PO process. So you'd get into the system with these clients a lot easier. But an easy yes right. is easy. Because sometimes also what I find is the, you know, if you're if the sales cycle is long, if it's an enterprise client, uh, you're probably talking to your the person who's going to be your direct client contact, the one who's going to be working with you but they might not actually be the decision maker. Maybe their decision, the decision maker is up the approval chain above them. Maybe the decision maker is going to be highly affected by procurement or a board. So the other advantage of a smaller project is that potentially that has a, I think you were sort of touching on this too, it's got a lower price tag, which means that the person who would normally have to go to procurement or their boss to get approval might be able to okay a $5,000 discovery project versus a $35,000 full project or larger scope. Yeah, 100%. And just for clarification for listeners, the reason why that is, is that every single level of title and seniority has a certain limit of approval levels, right? So you have yeah. to make sure that you have an understanding in each different organization has different approval levels and just knowing that that works. And sometimes it could even be, I've got a $5,000 approval and I can just put it directly on a credit card that just makes the entire process super easy for you and for them. Yes, for sure. So here's the things that I see kind of working to be able to reduce the sales cycle and being able to manage that a bit. One of the huge components, right, is time kills all deals. It really does. And making sure that you kind of do what you can to be able to reduce that timeline of it. I mean, obviously, if you've got levels of decision making and authority, there's a slight augmentation that I'll, I'll hit there. But I always recommend booking a meeting from a meeting or BAMFAM and making sure that you have the next meeting on the books so that you it's much less likely to get ghosted. You're able to follow up. And one of the things it's like, hey, what is the next step? And if you're working with a bigger organization, what is the next step in your process? Who are you going to be talking to next? Oh, I'm going to be meeting with them next Thursday. Great. Get a time on the calendar the following day to find out how things are coming along and how you can be able to help them. But one of the things that I have found that is difficult with these committee or oriented decision making and levels of authority and stuff is that it's very difficult for them to sell the same way that you would as well to to someone that you have never spoken with. So one of the things that I see super useful with agencies is utilizing sales models, something that you can draw that's much easier for someone to understand what your value is by 
they're, they can follow along. So if you're drawing something with them, kind of articulating what it is that you're doing in the process, they remember it better. That's really interesting idea. I also, yeah, I love that. And you're, I think, touching on this idea of how do you help them sell internally? So a sales model, something that's visual and simple, conceptual, that, that makes it easier for them to, to transmit and understand. I also think that's also where storytelling comes in for agencies, being able to cite specific examples, case studies, past client work that help to reinforce your value, that help to reinforce your qualifications for this particular project. So just like a sort of a sales model, I think a story is also much easier to remember, much easier to repeat. And so you are equipping your client to sell internally. Absolutely. Also finding out a little bit more about their process and learning how to potentially insert yourself more if you can and and just asking them, how, like acknowledging that there's going to be some upsell and asking, how can I help? How can I support you in this process? And I think that's such an easy thing that a lot of agencies don't do. 100%, especially in an instance where you have yeah. a great relationship with the person that you're speaking with and they want you to be the agency partner but they are going to have a hard time articulating. They want your support to be able to bring you in as well. One of the things that I've seen, I had a client that had a fairly dramatic shift recently in their sales cycle. So they went from typically being less than 30-day sales cycle to being anywhere between 60 to 90 days. And one of the things that they did was going with the kind of presumptive close mentality. So what they ended up doing is with, along with every proposal, they actually started going through the legal review of their contract right at, right at that stage. So they would presume that they were going to, that they were going to get the deal. And so they, the person that they were speaking with is let's go ahead and just make sure that we are closing the gap a little bit. I know that you guys typically have to go through legal review. So I'm going to go ahead and share our template contract with you. That way your legal team can get going on this right now. And you're, you're putting in and you're instilling the sense of confidence that you obviously believe yourself to be the right choice. So it's also increasing their confidence level while also getting the timeline for legal review to be shorter. So they were able to reduce their time from not back to 30 days, but they were within the 30 to 45 day after after doing that. Yeah, it's sort of, let's get this out of the way uh, and then we're ready to go. It's turnkey and we can start when the client's ready to start. 100%. Yeah, love that. So one of the other things that we we both talked about seeing is price sensitivity, which I mean, obviously when you're exposed to an article every single day saying, save your pennies and the economy is about to tank and all of this, that every single person is affected by that when you're reading that every day. So what are you seeing with clients and ultimately, what do you think is the cause? Do you actually see an economic environment where the budgets are actually being slashed? Like, what are you actually seeing on your client's, client's end? Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm seeing as much price sensitivity as maybe you are, or I'm not sure if I'm seeing as any more than usual. And I think they're, so, so I'm not sure if I can really talk about that trend so much. I always like to encourage my clients to try to tie things back to the value that, that the client is going to get. So uh, if they can, and this also requires ha having this conversation with your client earlier on in the sales process to again, understand the outcome, whether that's revenue, more minds changed, more bodies and seats, whatever, whatever the, the, the ultimate KPI is. And that's something if you understand what, if you understand what that outcome is and the, and some sort of idea of what the financial impact on your client's company is, then it's a little bit easier to tie back 
to the value. So now let's say that the, let's say they've got two people, you know, two agencies or more than two agencies. I actually have this um, I had this conversation with a client the other day where there are supposedly they're the preferred vendor. This is a nonprofit, so the some of the board members have said, "Hey, let's talk to this agency. Let's talk to this agency." My client, the preferred vendor, is at the highest is the highest bid. And now sometimes this client has been known to just to sort of fill up to the budget they've been given, which I can understand wanting to do that. Of course, if they're not actually, if that's not necessary, that's bit, bitten them in the past. But in this case, you know, what I also say is like, well, if you, like if their budget is 500K and you've bid 525, what is the client and the others have bid 450? And if you're the preferred vendor, number one, if you're the truly the preferred vendor, you should, that should buy you, that should have gained you an opportunity to talk with a client and say, what do we need to get to do to get to that amount? Number two, make sure the client understands what value they may potentially be losing. You know, the give gets. If this is a digital agency, so they outsource to a team in Ukraine, maybe they need to outsource to their team in India versus Ukraine. If that's going to help lower the amount, of course, what do they give up? They may give up a certain, I don't know, a certain level of quality, a certain time zone benefit. And so all these things that I think often we take for granted how valuable is it for that, that client to get a sort of within a 12 or 14 hour response time? Maybe you're the, they're more likely to get that with a team that's working in Europe versus a team that's working in India. So all these things that I think, again, agencies take for granted, which actually have a real value to the client often. 100%. I mean, I 100% agree with you as focusing on value is incredibly important. I mean, realistically speaking, and I mean, this is kind of straight out of Blair End's win without pitching, but the thing, the thought process here, right, is like you're in a position where you are deciding and you've got a family member that has a terminal illness or something going on and you've got a doctor that can solve it and has done it a thousand times or you've got a general practitioner that has done it maybe once and it's 10 times more money for the one that's done it a thousand times. Are you actually considering, do I want to spend the money? It's more, how do I find the money to allow for that to happen? And the reason is, is you have a higher likelihood of the outcome. And so the entire focus really should be around defining the gap. The client is here right now. They're looking to get across this canyon, but you need to have them understand what is the actual problem and the gap between where they are now and where they're looking to go. And then creating safety for them. And you've actually navigated that gap before with clients. So you want to have utilize that with case studies, give them examples and like kind of third party selling and have them understand that your system, the way that you operate as an agency, your value is actually what allows for that risk to be mitigated and allows for them to not that $50,000, $25,000, $10,000, or even $500 difference between you and another agency does not feel as big when I feel more comfortable. The likelihood is there. I mean, sometimes also they could be equally qualified and someone else's not confident enough in their own pricing and they're just underbidding. And there's, you know, I think there's, I'm not sure there's that much you can do if someone is determined to win on price, then probably it's better to walk away. Oh, by the way, make sure that you're back in touch with that client in six to nine months time to see how things are going, because probably they're not going very well. Mm -hmm. 100%. There's two things that I want to say, but absolutely do not just reduce your cost for the sake of closing the deal. Do, do not do that. You should be taking something out of the scope. It, it diminishes your value. And one of the things that I, I often see in a lot of agencies get stuck in this place is that you will also lose deals because you come in too low. 
and they're going to think this doesn't make sense and risk associated with not being able to have the resources internally to execute on this well. So know that that's, honestly, I see that happen a lot where you actually end up losing a deal and they say that, I'm sorry, but you, you were the lowest, but I'm also not comfortable with the price. Made me nervous. <laughs> yes. What am I not going to get? What do they not understand about what I've just described that I need? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then they, they question your, your ability. They question your expertise. So your sophistication and yeah. 100%. I'd love to hit a little bit on ghosting, which is a very interesting phenomenon that I've seen happen recently that I hadn't really seen before. And it's come up in a number of different ways and across a number of different clients that serve a number of different sectors. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. Are you seeing it? What do you think is the cause? I'm assuming it's nervousness, but anyways. I mean, my clients are seeing it. I don't know about you. I'm often seeing it. And so I also find that a little bit ironic, having a conversation with a client about helping them to manage things like ghosting for prospects who ghost them. And then they, and ghost, then they ghost me. You. So I think there are a couple of things. And in some ways, it goes back to the, the time kills all deals. I guess I have changed my opinion about that a little bit. I'm not sure if I'm as strident about that as I am now, as I used to be. I think that in most cases, that is the case. I think in the environment that we're in or that we've just, that we have just come out of, I usually find, look, ghosting happens for various for reasons. First of all, you got to find out, well, why do we think the client is ghosting us? So it's probably either it's going to be that you were not the right solution for them, which it kind of stinks that they're not telling you why that is. And you should continue to pursue them until you really understand. Or often, more than, often than not, it's because they have no news. And they don't, it's just, it's just awkward to engage you when there's no news and you're going to keep selling them. And blah, blah, blah. So sometimes it just, I actually think it's better for everyone. Take a step back, look at the other things in your pipeline, drum up some new opportunities to refresh that pipeline. It's that determination to overcome the lack of contact, the determination to make sure that time does not kill that deal that sometimes it's, it, may just, it may not change the fact that the client is just not in a position to make a decision. So I think, you know, if someone's not going to date you, go find someone else who will. Having said that, as you said, one of the things that's, that I think can be useful is going back to remind them why they were talking to you in the first place. And this also requires earlier on in that sales process to understand what do they need to do? Why do they need to do it now? What are they, well, what are they up against? What's at stake if they don't do it? So it's useful then to go back and remind them like, hey, look, I thought you really needed to start by the beginning of Q4, because if you didn't, you were going to miss that window of opportunity. Is that still the case? And you know, the fact is sometimes it is. But again, going back to someone like they've got a board, the board just won't get off their butts to approve this. So I think if you can remind them why it's important, that can sometimes help. I think, as you said, easy, simple closing tactics, like understanding what the process is internally to get approvals so that you can check in with them. I under, from what I understand, you are going to get, you're going to meet with your board this week and get approval. Has that happened? Much easier for them to respond to that. Didn't happen. It's going to happen in two weeks. Okay, great. Now I know. As opposed to just checking in. But I find, like I sort of find that usually there is, ghosting happens for a reason and you, the agency, cannot always control it. And sometimes it's better just to, to, to let their resistance go and say, got to move on. I've also found that when clients do need to, when th things do come back, they will call you, especially if you've helped to maintain the relationship, whether that's through nurturing without being a pain in the neck, 
whether it's continuing to show them that you're doing work that matters to them, whether that you're continuing to show them that you are offering content that's valuable to them, then if it's meant to come back, it'll come back. But I'm, again, curious to know what you think. I largely agree. The thing that I wanted to really cement here is often more than, I mean, it's very difficult if they've ghosted you for you to confirm what ultimately happened, if they actually have, and they don't, you don't hear from them again. But more often than not, it actually has nothing to do with you. So there's other factors and we, we like to internalize it of like, what did we do wrong? Why are we not the right fit? And more often than not, it has nothing to do with you. There's some external factor, the board, as you mentioned, or they don't have faith in themselves and in, in the outcome. Maybe that person's job is on the line and they're like, I'm going to lose my job in three months. So I, why should I bother? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many different things that are at play here. The thing that I really liked that you said was give them an easy thing to respond to. The more specific of a question you ask, the more specific of an answer you're going to get. That just checking in is really not great. Like you want to instill confidence. You want to have them understand. You want to understand where they are. You want to be able to provide them with value. And exactly as you're talking about there in, you know, in an example of, hey, you've got a Q4 objective that you need to hit. We are coming on on the timeline that we need to get started if that's going to, if that's still the objective that allows for them to understand and set expectations as well. The, the other thing that I just want to hit too is very often you are more excited and dependent on this particular deal That's than right. they are. So absolutely right. Take yeah. a breath <laughs> for a moment. Yeah. And should you follow up every couple of days? Probably not. <laughs> Let's simmer down a little bit. The thing that I would be really looking at here and understanding. And I, I always think that taking a kind of holistic look, both at the industry that you're serving, the client that you're serving, the people that you're serving, understanding how things are kind of going on economically, how they're going on in the industry and what's happening with everyone and understanding the context of those items as well. And how can you help them? Because if you become an advisor, you become a partner, you are able to provide them with value throughout the entire sales process, even while they're ghosting you, allows for a better connection. And if now's not the time, the future potentially can be if you did that. Yeah. Even as, as you were talking, I was even thinking a simple, empathetic, and by and truly simple email that says, I haven't heard from you in a while. You know, often what we found in the past is that it's because it's, the, it's just getting stuck in the approval process. How can we help you? Leave it at that. And no guarantee, but yeah, you're showing like, look, it's okay. You're diffusing some of the pressure, saying we're not expecting you to come back with that great news necessarily. We think that probably you're not going to, but if there's a way that we can be of help, just let us know. 100% and always being there to be that supportive partner is incredibly important. The thing that I also think is really useful here is the people that have ghosted you now are also actually a true potential for you in future. So one of the things that I've done with clients recently is to help them close revenue gaps with proposals that were taking longer with deals that weren't closing and things like that is I actually had them go through the last 24 months of every past client, every close loss deal and staying in touch with them. They should be doing it anyways, but for those that weren't go do that right now. And many of them got so many opportunities by doing yeah. that. You know, I have, uh, and if you like it, happy to give you a link to it in, in the show notes. But I wrote an article a few, I don't know, a little while ago about sort of breaking down your, like you're having a recontact strategy for your contacts. And 
I call one group the the well two well two groups the the disappearing acts some of those folks that you had a great conversation with and then poof and also the rejectors the ones who said thanks for bidding on this but we're going with someone else and so for a lot of agencies it's easy to say well I'm going to really exaggerate but they hurt my feelings they rejected us and so they must not like us as opposed to they went with someone else, but things could change. And now, I mean, the other thing about pitches, so like probably you and I would agree that competitive pitches aren't great, but one of the advantage a competitive pitch has is it gives you an opportunity to introduce yourself to a client that may not have actually answered your email or have been willing to engage otherwise. Take advantage of that. Why not continue to leverage that? Especially if you put your best foot forward on the pitch. And yeah, go back to those rejectors and remind them you're still there. And by the way, people also go, as you know, too, people go to other companies. So keep track of that. Six months from now, they might be at a, a completely different company. And so follow them. Mic drop on that. Absolutely. Stay in contact with the people <laughs> that you built that relationship with. But the yeah. thing that I really want to hit home is, listener, have you ever in your life made a choice that you ultimately chose to go in one direction versus another and then later regretted that choice? We've all done that. And your your prospective clients have done the same. I have a client right now that ended up losing a fairly substantial size pitch that they were sure that they were going to get and checked in with the client six months later of, hey, I just wanted to see how that project went along. I would love to see the work that you ended up creating. We were really enjoying your mission, your values, where you were headed. Just would love to see where you ended up on this project. And the feedback was, Actually, it never really took off because the agency that we hired ended up not doing the work that we wanted. So we ended up putting everything on pause and we're actually looking again to find a partner and ended up revitalizing that entire deal. And it was one of those scenarios where they went in a direction that they ultimately ended up regretting and ended up getting that deal in the future. They ended up getting it. So it's staying in contact with people. And again, it, ha it really most of the time, nine times out of 10 has almost nothing to do with you. It has to do with them, the stories that they're telling themselves internal stakeholder decisions that you ultimately didn't have contact with. There's loads of things that influence a decision. And more often than not, it has nothing to do with you. Yes, that's right. And the best way, again, it's like hate to use that overused analogy of dating, but when they're not calling, then when your love interest isn't calling, go out and meet a few more people that might be great replacements because there are others out there probably. You know, one of the things I say, which sounds a, a bit mean, I, I think now looking back in retrospect is the person that has the most power in a love relationship is the person that loves least. So in these situations, love least. And I think that's also like a sense of confidence, the ability, the, the, also the willingness to walk away. This person is not responsive. Now I'm starting to, it's become a, a losing proposition in terms of the time I'm investing. So I'm going to find something that's a little bit more promising, but yeah, I like that. Yeah. You have to want it less than maybe you, we have to appear to want it less than maybe you actually do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so 100%. ironic. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jody, I think that we could probably talk for hours on end, but it's been just so phenomenal having you on the show again, talking about all of this that's ultimately, I know, affecting so many agencies and things that they can ultimately do to, do to have a more impact. I know that you have an annual planning masterclass coming up. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so every year, actually every year, this will be the second annual a new business planning masterclass. So open to all. And I think we discussed anyone who listens to this podcast will give you the link to the to the sign up sheet and more information. And you guys will get perpetual early bird pricing, but hope you'll sign up earlier. Dates are still TBD, but it's probably going to be sometime in early December. 
So this every year, agencies, if they are good, they sit down and they think about their new business plan for next year. And every year they create a plan that has what I have seen, common flaws that prevent them from really reaching their goals. So I have a different approach that it's a simpler plan. It addresses some things that maybe we don't always think about. It's going to be a series of short three one-hour work workshops together. It's going to also be supplemented with video curriculum. At the mm. end of the, that week, you guys are going to have a plan or close to it. Simple one-page plan is what I promise you. Amazing. And in order for, and I know for me, and I know for every entrepreneur and agency owner, in order for you to accomplish your goals, a great plan to implement that is paramount of what are you going to do? How are you going to get there? And having a a way to navigate what you have coming up. So I'll make sure that a link to that as well as Jody's uh, contact information is in the show notes as well. And I hope that you check out her masterclass. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today, Jody. It's been just so phenomenal having you on the show. It's been great to be here again. Thank you, Robert. Once again, thank you so much for carving out the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast. Now, chances are, if you're an agency owner listening to this podcast right now, then you may be feeling like this. Because I was finding myself constantly overworked within our business, um, constantly like too busy with fulfillment or too busy with uh, customer service needs. So I didn't have the time to go think about how am I going to close this person or what I'm going to say to this person or what am I going to do with this or what's the next strategy I need to do. Now, of course, this podcast is here to help you with a lot of things. But at one episode per week, it's going to take a while for us to share everything you need specifically for your situation. So if you're really serious about committing to fixing the problems in your agency now so you can build a truly profitable business and get your life back, then I want to invite you to apply for the Agency Accelerator Program. I'm not so stressed during calls thinking, oh my gosh, I got, I got to sell, I got to sell, I got to sell because if I don't sell, I don't make our I don't make our numbers, you know, and if I don't make our numbers, I can't pay our people. If I can't pay our people, then our business is down. This program is designed to help creative agency owners get to 1 million in revenue per year in 12 months or less. I char typically charge one client a $3,000, anywhere from 2000 to 3000 Now I'm uh, moving towards only 5000 and up. And my latest client that I closed is a $10,000 client on a monthly retainer. We only accept about 20% of the agencies that apply to this program because we wanna make sure that we only work with people who will commit the time, energy, and resources required to take what they learn in the program and use it to create an agency of their dreams. You've taught me and you've taught us how to build this within our company that if X happens, this happens, boom, 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 boom. Like it's so systematic that it's gonna work for itself. That has given me the sense of like, oh, I know what the heck I'm talking about. I know what I'm good at. I know that I can deliver upon what I wanna deliver. And it, yeah, I gained hell of a lot of confidence for sure. So if that's you, then I want to invite you to apply today. Just hit the link in the show notes to apply for the Agency Accelerator Program or go to creativeagencysuccess.com forward slash apply. Thanks, and I'll see you inside the program. Mm -hmm.